Field Police Chief Mark Elliott. Chief, thank you so much for stopping in today. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, listeners. Yeah, let's. Uh, we had uh, City Administrator Marty was in yesterday. Talked a little bit about the meeting, and you gave your quarterly report. So we uh, are going to kind of go through that a little bit, and have a few other things to talk about as well. But uh oh, <laughs> are you? Do you have to run? No, nope. <laughs> let me turn that down. Though we don't need my radio, uh, police radio on the radio. Let's uh, let's talk about the uh, quarterly report. What did it look like, and what did you report to the council? Well, a couple of things on the quarterly report, um, you know, that was something we started two years ago, uh, just to give kind of an update to the council uh, on what uh, is happening, what we're seeing for trends, you know, not, not a real deep dive into anything, but it just general. I mm-hmm. often say that I feel a informed community is a safer community. It's good to know what's going on in your community, what's going on around you uh, for safety reasons. So we wanted to give a little bit of an update. And so this was uh, the fourth quarter of 2023 updates. So two years we've been giving these updates now and uh, just went over some of the crime data. Um, One of the things that we added uh, for this quarter was kind of a trend line uh, on the graphs. So you could see what uh, has been going on for the last uh, two years. And we saw overall a downward trend, which is a good thing on our calls for service. Um, Now we're we're not talking huge. We're talking from our high to our lows about 100 to 150 calls a month (laughs) difference. So um, Mm -hmm. You know, nothing overly dramatic, but uh, at the same time, that that's a good thing to see. Uh, now, of course, uh, 2022, um, as we got into first quarter of 2022, we're just starting to come out of the pandemic. People are leaving their house a little more and interacting with each other more. So it's not surprising we saw in that second and third quarter uh, some increases in 22. And I think we're back to more of a stable call load now. All right. I want to talk to you about uh, something that happened uh, about a week or so ago from the Northfield Public Library. Uh, and it was not isolated uh, incident to Northfield. There were other things uh, around the uh, state and around the region. But yet there was a phone call uh, with uh, some very specific threats uh, to uh, the library and its patrons. Uh, can you tell us about that, what what you know about it? I mean, what did, uh, what did they say? What, how did the library personnel react? And uh, walk us through that. Yeah, um, so we had a call uh, come into the library, and library staff took the call of someone threatening to come and uh, commit violence there to shoot up the place. And um, they really did it. Their staff did a really good job. And, um, you know, we frequently do training with some organizations, uh, different institutions throughout the city about what to do when there's violence or threats of violence and uh, notifying a supervisor and the police and are the first two things to do. And that's exactly what they did there. So we got the call pretty quick. Uh, Our officers responded there, um, make sure everything was safe at the time and also put a police presence there should something happen and then began the investigative process of identifying the phone number and where uh, that number originated from and that type of thing. Um, pretty, pretty quickly we determined that it didn't appear to be a local threat and uh, worked with our partners at the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension. Um, they've got uh, 
a fusion center that helps with technical investigations quite a bit um, and intelligence gathering. So we worked with them and uh, fairly quickly, within an hour or so, we were able to determine that uh, we didn't feel it was a uh, credible threat, um, which was a good part. But now, how do, how do you determine that? It was was there caller ID? I'm, I'm presuming the person who did this or tried to pull this off had some type of. I don't know, safeguards, but uh, they probably wouldn't appear on a caller ID or anything like that, would they? Um, without going, this is an open active case, so without going into too much mm. detail there, um, you know, through the work that we did with uh, um, the Fusion Center, and uh, it requires us to do some legal work of uh, subpoena for uh, phone records from the provider for that phone number. Uh, we were able to determine what the phone number was. And um, through some of that work, we were able to uh, figure out where the call appeared to be originating from, which was not from within the state. Okay. Um, and that was helpful for us. Now, of course, with technology, people that are very technically savvy have ways to disguise where they're calling from and that type of thing. Um, but we were able to determine where we didn't feel it was a credible threat here. Uh, out of caution and uh, concern and some employees feeling uncomfortable, the library did decide to shut down for the night. Um, uh, so they shut down a few hours early. I can uh, see where that would be uncomfortable yeah. for employees. Can't yeah, exactly. Them at all. That's a unnerving situation. It is. And, you know, the, the sad part of that is the effect that it has on, on folks in the community who are planning to go to the library and use that. And we have a lot of people that make use of the library every day here. So, um, you know, with that, we've continued the investigation. We're working with the Bureau of Criminal Apprehension. As I mentioned earlier, we believe that the threats came from out of state. So we're working with the FBI uh, to uh, further focus in on uh, suspect in that. And uh, we're going to attempt to bring them justice. Now, at the same time we had this, there were other libraries um, throughout Minnesota that also had a very similar threat that was called into them. And we've seen some email threats go out too to educational institutions. Um, the week before we had some in the state that went out to some courthouses. So uh, we're working with them to try to determine if it's one person or a group of people that are responsible for all of these. Um, kind of odd that we would have uh, you know, about a two-week period where we had so many of these come in. Uh, some school districts uh, had some calls come in the Monday, I think, after we had ours to the library. So we're going to try to determine who's responsible for those. It's obviously a disruption. There's um, lost you know, education time with the schools sometimes um, and definitely a financial disruption to these different organizations. So we'll try to find those people and hold them accountable. And hopefully that will happen. Let us know when it does. Yeah, yeah All I right. will. So, uh, Northfield Police Chief Mark Elliott is uh, with us now. Uh, you talked, when you were giving the information to the council, uh, talked about a program called PARD, P-A-R-D. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, Jeff, that is our police-assisted recovery and deflection program. And uh, the program is something that really evolved out of the work the Rice County Chemical and Mental Health Coalition has been working on. Uh, you know, I've been working with them since 2019, and we've added different components to really assist those in our community that are struggling with uh, substance use disorder, um, whether it's alcohol or or 
drugs, illegal drugs, prescription drugs, really any type of substance use disorder they have to try to increase resources available for them. And back in uh, 2022, uh, we worked with some of our partners, applied for a federal grant. Uh, Rice County is a host of that grant, and we received one from the Bureau of Justice Assistance um, for uh, a program that will assist those with substance use disorder, especially those that are involved around the criminal justice system, to have a way to treatment. And so what our PARD program does is it uh, allows our officers, when they have contact with somebody with substance use disorder, um, it may be someone that they're investigating or looking to arrest for a crime or just someone they come across on their calls, but to divert them. Um, and instead of sending them into the criminal justice system, um, they will use the program to send them to treatment instead. And the way that looks is our officers go out on a call. Maybe they have somebody that is a suspect in a uh, theft call, and they make contact with the person. Through that contact, they determine that maybe they're under the influence now or uh, it's just apparent that they have a substance use disorder. Uh, they can then deflect that person into a treatment program. And the great part about this program is we have resources available right now. Uh, we have our community-based coordinators, which is a a program we have with Rice County, which puts an embedded social worker into the police department. So they give that uh, community-based coordinator a call, and they're able to uh, come over right away, uh, work with that person to get them what they need and resources. And then the officer would uh, deflect or choose to put them into that program instead of submitting charges for that person. And for our listeners out there, PARD is the name of the program, P-A-R-D. That's an acronym, as everything seems to be with uh, in, in part of a government. But that stands for Police Assisted Recovery and Diversion. You had uh, touched on one thing I'd like to talk a little bit more about, just a couple of minutes, is that those embedded social workers that you have within Rice County. You've had about a year or so now. Uh, are you... Are you seeing a difference? Is it making a difference here in town? Obviously, it can't solve all the problems in the world, but uh, from the uh, aspect of uh, police officers and law enforcement, uh, are you feeling pretty good about this? Yeah, we are. Um, it, it's a program that's going very well. Um, there, Those social workers are available to all the departments throughout the uh, county, but specifically Faribault PD, Rice County Sheriff's Office, and the Northfield Police Department has one assigned to each department. And, uh, you know, as we've seen over the years, uh, and there's been calls for uh, social workers or mental health professionals to work with some of those folks that are in crisis instead of police, um, even some that are not necessarily in crisis but are struggling with mental health needs, um, and for years, the police have stepped up because there's been no 24-hour mental health response available for folks. Um, so we've stepped into that void, and we've done the work there, but it's not really work that we're trying to take over or wanted to ever take over. Mm -hmm. um, it's just someone needed to fill that void. And uh, this is working really well. Of course, they don't. it's one person in each department. They don't work 24-7, um, mm -hmm. although they certainly are available for call-outs. But it really has been helpful. Um, some of the time, we're able to hand off the those calls and then just have them respond. Uh, other times our officers may respond, but we can quickly do a, uh, a follow-up with the community-based coordinator um, and have them uh, 
take that referral and go follow up with the person the next day. Or maybe it's someone we're dealing with on a regular basis and we know that there's mental health needs there. Um, and we can refer that uh, person to them and then they kind of take it from there. And it's nice having that because they're someone who works in the social services realm all the time and they're uh, very knowledgeable about resources that are available uh, both locally and regionally to help those folks that need help. Or it could be a family member that calls and says, hey, I, you know, my dad's got dementia, he's living alone and he, he really could use some assistance, where do I go um, mm-hmm. for that? Uh, so we can uh, make those referrals and our community-based coordinator follow up on it. Um, and as well as aftercare too, sometimes it's someone that we have contact with and they uh, have committed a crime, they need to go to jail, we bring them to jail, but we'll still make that uh, referral. Um, and the Rice County uh, community-based coordinator actually meets with everybody that comes into jail and uh, has a conversation with them and to see if they have needs. So we're really trying to catch people that um, the law enforcement is having contact with and say, hey, we don't really need to have contact with you or we don't want to have contact with you. We don't want you committing crimes. Mm-hmm. Maybe you just need some assistance in, in where you're at right now. It's, it seemed like a good program, a real good program when you started that. And it seems like that uh, is fitting in very well. Uh, I, I, I like that uh I like that program. Let, let's move on to uh, one last thing is uh, e-bikes. You you got some new rides. We we did. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think it's one of those things that if uh, if you've uh, seen those people out on the e-bikes and working around, you're seeing them more and more. It's something our officers have seen, and they certainly can add to uh, the range someone has when they're out on their bike. Um, so we've had bike patrol officers for years, and they're out in the community, and they do a variety of enforcement and education when they're out on the bikes. Um, really a good opportunity to engage with folks uh, in that type of thing. And the purchase of the e-bikes is going to extend their range, their time, and their decrease their response time when they're out on their bikes. There's times they're out on their bike and they have a call they need to get to right away, and uh, e-bikes will help them get there and maybe a little less tired when they get there as well. Um, but the other thing recently we've seen is uh, Northfield has made a concerted effort to um, fill those gaps in trails and sidewalks. And we've seen increased bike lanes uh, with some of the construction projects. And uh, we want our officers to be out in those areas doing enforcement, but also education. Uh, we know that the design is something people aren't familiar with. Um, and it'll take a little bit for folks to learn. And we, we're going to put our officers out in those areas on the e-bikes um, and try to have conversations with people, uh, educate them on uh, proper use of those bike lanes, but also for motorists. Um, and really, our officers are uh, ingenious in some ways, and they get out and use the bikes for some non-traditional enforcement. And I know one of the things that our officers on our bikes were doing last year was doing some enforcement of the hands-free law. Uh, folks that are texting and driving or on their phones um, with the bikes. Uh, the bikes allow them to get uh, kind of up close and personal and have a good view of uh, the drivers from a good position. And uh, so they've been working uh, on some of that too and uh, writing some tickets and issuing some warnings uh, for folks that are using their devices when they shouldn't be. Mm, all right. Uh, Chief, we're out of time, but thank you so much for joining us. Much appreciated. And uh, we'll talk to you again next month. Sounds great, Jeff. Thank you.